Welcome to Chucking a Sickie. This week, I can't go to work because, look, I'm a small town gal, and I was performing in my church choir, but then I met this guy called Clive Davis, and he said I'm going to be a big star and perform all over the world, so I, I might try and, and do that. I'm your host, Harry, and each week, we invite a very special guest and go through their perfect day off. From the excuse they used to get off work, to the song that set the tone for the day, their favourite meal, and of course, their adventurous afternoon. A real-life Ferris Bueller's day off. Now, in case you missed it last week, we have a Patreon, which means that, yes, we sold out, but also, you can get additional content each episode. We will be putting out a special secret extra bit of each ep episode, and you can also get access to merch, which we will be doing as well, so make sure to check that out. Link is in the description below. Now, we do have a lot of exciting guests coming up from Aussie comedy superstars to bands, playwrights, actors, and hell, maybe even the Bodyguard soundtrack. But this week, we have the brilliant Bron Lewis. Bron is a teacher-turned-comedian who co-won the National Raw Comedy Competition in 2022, was nominated for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Best Newcomer in 2023, and is on Have You Been Paying Attention on the Rank. This year, Bron will be touring her new show, obviously, all over Australia. You can catch her on the Adelaide Fringe, the 12th to the 16th of March, the Melbourne Comedy Festival on the 28th of March to the 21st of April, the Sydney Comedy Festival from the 2nd to the 5th of May, the Brisbane Comedy Festival, 9th to the 12th of May, and in Canberra and Cairns on the 24th and 31st of May. Make sure to grab your tickets to this huge tour, Links are in the description below. As always, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really means a lot to us. But for now, pull out that thermometer and get ready to call your boss because it's time for Chuckin' a Sickie. <coughs> Chuck a Sickie. Welcome, Bron Lewis, to Chuckin' a Sickie. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Look, we're going to go through your perfect day off. But to start off your day, we have to get in the mindset of the worst job you've ever had because to have the perfect day... You've got to start off in, in a bad place. So for you, what has been the worst job that you've ever had? Yeah, I've had I've had some bad ones. I've had some, so I'm 37 now. So I've had a collection. I've got a huge collection of bad jobs. And one of one of them is my first ever job, which was Donut King in the shopping center in Canberra. So like oh, yeah. Yeah. I was always situated right in the middle, like there was nowhere to hide. So I was in the middle of this shopping center. I was 14 mm. and my manager, Tracy, was so horrible to me. She just refused to learn my name. And she would use the um she would use the fat that we'd cook the donuts in as lip gloss absolutely terrifying woman um, but that's not the worst job I've had Harry the worst job I ever had was um was when I was a teacher oh and I don't want this to be disrespectful to teachers I'm just trying to say that every teacher out there who was still teaching is tougher than me it was a dreadful job I did it for 10 years but my first year of teaching um I had this one kid uh, who hated me so much, Shane Whitley, his real name, look him up. He was so horrible to me that one time I came in um, to, he was in year eight. I'll just describe him real quick. He had like um, a mullet in between the times they were cool um, and he had really thin lips and he never blinked. He sounds was, terrifying. He sounds, sounds like a bit of a serial killer. Yes. I um, Yeah, I've, I really worry about him. But I came into the classroom and he was already in there. <laughs> it was my first year of teaching and he, would, he was lining his desk with real bullets. Sorry? Yeah, real bullets. I know, real bullets. Oh, my God. Where did he... Where did he get the bullets? I think he lived... It was like right on the um, outskirts of Melbourne. So I think he lived on a farm or <laughs> his dad was a murderer. Like one or right. the other or both. You don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he said, yeah, exactly. He said to me, hey, Miss Lewis, if I had a gun, you'd be dead. Oh, my. Sorry. That is absolutely terrifying. Like, I know. Talk about like workplace harassment. I know. People don't give teachers enough respect. Know. You know? Exactly. And um, because it was my first year of teaching, that was like full of hope. I, um, I just was like, oh, that's so cute, Shane. I think I'm going to save you. <laughs> and I didn't. I think he's in jail. He's in jail for sure. Yeah. I was going to say, how many years has Shane been in, in prison now? I assume for armed robbery and murder. Yeah. At and least. Like, not, not one of the fun ones. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He, um, uh, it was, it was, and it was because it was ages ago. Like, oh, it must have been like. 15, 16 years ago, um, the teachers, it was, the teachers were like, mm, boys will be boys. I was like, 
don't know if all boys do this. Sorry. He's lining up bullets on his table. There's boys will be boys and then there's serial killers. <laughs> like different ends of the spectrum here. So I reckon that was the job. Uh, of all the jobs I've had, I reckon that one was probably my least favourite. Yeah, I can understand why. I think teaching got better. Like you, you learn, um, you know, to not put up with bullets. <laughs> yeah. like by the end of it, you're like, mm, I'm yeah. just going to go home. <laughs> Bye. I mean, I was just confused. Did, did Shane have a gun or was it just bullets for show? Because, like, you knew there was a gun hidden somewhere. Just but, bullets. like, okay, which is slightly better yeah. than a gun and bullets. Yeah, he just said, if I had a gun. So it was, I'm not sure, actually. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually ask any more questions. But I also didn't go and get anyone. <laughs> like, I look back at that and I'm like, that was a real scary moment. And I just tried to, like, smile my way through it. Uh, and, and, yeah, a yeah. reflection. I reckon it built, though, quite a bit of resilience as, as like as in stand-up. Being a teacher, <laughs> like, you're like, well, no one's got bullets. So yeah. it's pretty good. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did speak to someone who did a did a gig in America and someone did bring a shotgun oh to the gig. God. This was last yeah. season on, on the podcast. So Yeah, that is I feel cool. like how old was Shane? Was Shane like a young kid or was he like he was an older like, teen? He was like fourteen. Fourteen years old. Yeah. See that's that's scarier than an older kid because puberty yeah. is bad at the best of times, but puberty with bullets, that's like a <laughs> terrible combination. Exactly. And especially <laughs> if like yeah, he was just like you know how there's some kids who just don't grow for ages? Like they like they're, they're the size of like a, a ten yeah. year old for like about eight years. <laughs> so he was in that category. So yeah, he, he, yeah. he was one of those. It's gonna make you cranky. Mm. It's gonna make you wanna get a gun. And yeah. I never saw him with a gun, thank heaven. But I do, I don't, I do not care yeah. to learn what's become of him. <laughs> no, it's probably best that no one knows. But it is funny that you mention. I guess that does seem a lot scarier than being a comedian. But being a comedian seems to have been going pretty well for you. You obviously won Raw Comedy in in 2022. You went to Edinburgh Fringe, and you're doing all of the the festivals with your new show, obviously. Um, but what I wanted to speak about is you got into comedy in a very strange way uh, from one of the, from what I understand, one of the, te- not one of the teachers, one of the parents of kids of your girl's school suggested you should do co- comedy. Tell me if I'm wrong here. No, this is, is, is this how you got into comedy? Can you tell us this story? Yeah, I have this really straight, like, so I was in teaching for 10 years and I was quite miserable and um, I'd been teaching just year 12 English for maybe five years in a row and something kind of wears you down when you get to like the start of the year and then you got asked the same questions that you've been asked every and you and you have this moment I I remember this moment so vividly Harry I was like am I doing this again and I was like oh no and I was like when does this end I was like well it's forever and ever and ever you know that echo goes forever and I was like oh gosh you know like I saw all these teachers around me great teachers around me but the ones that had just been there since the beginning of time and were just biting down the days until retirement and it was very depressing and then I uh started to try and make my classes more fun which as you know is pretty impossible. Teenagers are the hardest audience in the world. Yeah, what were some of your ideas? like? Just trying to make the jokes, like trying to make input jokes into the classes and some kids liked it. Yeah, okay. Some kids found me so embarrassing, which is fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I've got three kids and my eldest daughter uh, was had just started prep and there was a lady at the school gate, another mum, who looked familiar to me, but I couldn't work out why. And I became quite okay, became friends with her. And you know when you're friends with someone f- for a while, like you've chatted to them too many times to go back and ask a basic question, like, so sorry, what is your name? Or I'm really sorry, what do you do? <laughs> so you, yeah. I left it too long and I was like, oh, well, I don't know where I know her from, but I'm just going to have to wait for her to just drop that bomb, hopefully this year. And then uh, eventually she asked, yeah. oh my gosh. Uh, and then eventually she asked me a question about my job. She was like, so does this happen to you in teaching? I can't remember what the context was. And I was like, yeah. And then the natural progression of that conversation would have been me to then ask her that question. So I said, does this happen to you in, I'm so sorry, Claire, what is your job? And she was like, oh, I'm a comedian. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And then it turns out. Claire Hooper, like one of Australia's greatest comedy icons. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's wonderful. And I was like, I'm <laughs> so sorry. And I was like, can you just remind me of something that I would have seen you on? And she was like, Great Australia Bake Off. I was like, oh, no, I've never seen it. And then she went through like six shows of me being like, nah, <laughs> nah, nah. I know. I don't know why she kept talking to me. What were you thinking, though? Like, surely, surely when she was like, when you're like, where are you from? And she said one thing you didn't see. You're like, no, obviously I've seen that. It was fantastic. You I were great. I love the I bit where you made the souffle. Exactly. Well, as you can see, I dealt with the gun situation very badly. I'm not great on the spot. <laughs> Which is per perfect for a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I've chosen the right profession. What can I say? <laughs> uh, so um, then I next to me, our friendship kept going. I never thought about, I never put myself in the position of her job at all because that's wild, you know. Um, and I yeah. uh, just, just the idea of being like, I'm going to be a comedian, that just seems so crazy. And so... And also I'd like kind of accepted that I was going to die in the school halls. So I, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you found that you found a, ni a nice corner where they were going to bury you. Exactly. And you're like, you know, this is a good place to live the rest of my years. Exactly. And Declan from year nine, you could do my eulogy, <laughs> you know? So I, uh, yeah. So I, I yeah. one day she messaged me and said, Hey, I'm trying to work out this joke for this show I've got on tonight. Can you help me with it? And it was like, and I just, I, I, I just wrote back what I would say and she I don't know if she ever used it it could have been so bad but she just said because she's so nice she went that's perfect I'll use that thanks very much and I was like oh my god she's gonna oh, and she said let me know when you want to start your career in comedy <laughs> and my brain like exploded oh my god yeah I actually like crumbled over into my hallway I was like holy moly is this what I want to do and at that point I was 32 and I had, by this stage, only two kids, you know, a mortgage. And I was like, I can't just try that. That's <laughs> silly. And then I, she said to me, uh, she said to me, let's just give it a go. And so we went to an open mic and I tried a five, five minute set and she'd helped me with constructing it. And I invited everyone I knew there, which in retrospect was like such a dangerous move you know it could have been disastrous yeah, it gives you a false sense of uh, of security in a lot of ways absolutely gave you false because everyone laughed so loudly and then uh even the mc came on after because mm. everyone i didn't realize everyone would, would have been like brown nosing claire hooper who was there and so the MC got on afterwards and was like, wow, can you believe that was her first ever set? Can you believe it? And I was like, whoa, I'm actually the best comedian in the world. And then I was like, it's actually easy. I don't know why everyone's so worried. And then I spent the next like six months just pretty much bombing every single time I did it because my friends weren't there and Claire Hooper wasn't there to throw yeah. a majestic weight around. Um, and then we then COVID happened. We moved to Brisbane. Yeah. And when I was in Brisbane, by this stage, I was super pregnant with my third and I went, I asked someone for a gig and because I was in my mid thirties and I was from Melbourne and I was super pregnant, they just assumed that I was a established comedian. So, cause who would, oh, really? their, yeah. Cause who in their right mind would start comedy pregnant and <laughs> comedy you know? at 35. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously like, obviously she's done this heaps and then so I just skipped the open mic scene basically yeah. and went to like lovely gigs like you know yeah that's gigs. clearly the way to do it it is just get pregnant guys if this is my own my only point of advice <laughs> people are scared of pregnant women they are terrifying people pregnant women are terrifying and they're so sure mm, you don't want to piss them off you do not that's so true you don't you don't know how many guns I've got um no. <laughs> yeah. not just bullets real guns <laughs> Yeah, so I just, uh, so in Brisbane, I kind of faked it uh, and I got good uh, gigs and audience are much more trusting of good, like better lineups than like open mics. Open mics are really hard. Like I don't miss them at yeah. all. I do wonder when someone says to me, like, no one's ever asked me this. I ask it to myself. Um, if if I had to go back to the start and uh, and learn all those skills again, even though this is the happiest I've ever been like professionally or in my whole life. Like, like holistically, it's so good because comedy, it's like the job's good. You have to like your job. And I love my job. But if someone yeah, said you have to go back to, you know, however it's like five years ago and start again, I just don't know if I would do it because it was the start of comedy yeah. is so hard. 
And it, like, you have to like reshape your ego because you can't really have one um, because you are just constantly told by a very apathetic audience in open mic rooms you shouldn't be doing this. And then you have to smile and get off. Like, so thanks so much guys. And then get in the car to just like that eerie silence. You know, the silence was kind of like a ringing in your ears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you've been to a concert. Yes. But the worst one, <laughs> like a really bad one. And then you have to get home and then yeah. face, you know, like I had to face my partner who'd be like, how was it? And I was like, it was not very good. And no one really laughed and no one laughs at anything. Like you just, it's a, yeah. So open mic stuff is really hard, but I'm so glad I did it, but I don't know if I'd have the strength to do it again. That's fair. I mean, it, it does make sense. Cause I feel like it's at a point in your life where you're, you're like, yes, I can do it. And then you look back and you're like, actually, you know what? It just took more guts than I have at the moment. Yeah. I had no idea how hard it was going, but when you're, yeah, it's like starting, I don't know, labor. You don't, you can't really be like, I just changed my mind though. Like, we just won't do it. I'll just like go to sleep and hope it's not there anymore. Like you just have to get through the hard bit. And then at the end, you're like, oh, this is great. Except in the later yeah. analogy, there's a baby at the end, which is way harder. Yeah. Well, this is something that I found I found in- interesting as well. I, I heard that after your third child was born, it took you a whole five weeks to do a gig again, which I think is insane. Yeah. Someone had told me, so I love a bit of advice. So um, I will listen to anyone's advice, <laughs> yeah. whether I take it or not, but I am so keen to not learn the hard way of anything. So if someone says, I lived mm. through something and here's my advice, I'll listen to it. Uh, and what I heard one person say when I was pregnant, one person sat, meant, talking about comedy, he said, oh, you just can't stop and start again because there's some comedians and he listed some. Um, and he said, they've like taken a few months off and when they come back, they effectively have to start again because they're not club fit. They like have to like remember how to deal with hecklers. Like you, uh, it's just staying fit and on top of what you've learnt, and then you can you can build the skills from there. And if you take some time off, you just chip it back down. And I'm like, I can't, I cannot start again. I can't start again. So it was Mother's Day. It was a Mother's Day gig, uh, and it was a 20 minute spot. And I that was at that point in my career, 20 minutes was basically all I'd have. So I had to learn every <laughs> retry with my dumb baby brain. So I remember every yeah. I'd ever written that worked and get up on stage and there was 11 people in the audience of this night but it was god that's even harder yeah and there were 10 of them I knew like 10 of them were like my partner's cousins and their friends so I was like oh this is (laughs) embarrassing but also good because a familiar audience so in some ways helps a little bit Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes like, yeah, the jo- any joke that I had to do with my family that made them laugh so much because they're like, we know who she's talking about. So it was kind of like, yeah, a <laughs> yeah but it was fine. Yeah, was she's talking about Shane again. We know yeah. it's bloody Shane. <laughs> oh, I love about Shane. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think going back after five weeks, it was a bit silly, but I just had to, like, I, I, I just knew that it mm. could, the longer I left it, the harder it was going to be. And, um, yeah. I'm not, I mean, in no way, shape or form wanting to make this process of comment, like, you know, getting to where I want to be go any longer. Um, I think mm-hmm. the, um, part of part of starting later, like I know, like, you know, I only started when I'm 32. I listen to some podcasts sometimes and I hear some comedians be like, I started late in life. I was 27. And I'm like, what? Yeah. No one knows what's going on. But then I hear of some comedians who are like, I, like, you know, I started early. I was 14 and blah, blah. I'm like, what? How, yeah. What did some you people crazy. Tom, Tom Ballard started when he was about 14. Like he was really okay. quite a child. Yeah. And what did you have to say? Like, you know, he like cringes at his earlier jokes. Like everyone does, but he's like talking about, mm. you know, there's so much reference in those that really young comedians to heaps of jokes about masturbation and heaps of references <laughs> to their genitalia and heaps of yeah. references, you know, like I was, if I started when I was even 17, I'd be like, HSC is hard, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. so dull. my teacher tried to do stand up in class. It was exactly. a whole thing. <laughs> I just want to learn about the play. Uh, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it seems, it seems to have gone quite well since then. Cause obviously this year you're performing your brand new show, obviously. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about this new show? 
I can. This show is, um, it is about advice. So it's not me giving advice. It's about me, kind of my aunties and my mum, like all of these women of this generation giving advice to me and none of it actually making sense. And what I, <laughs> which is uh, sometimes infuriating, but also quite funny because, um, you know, like they'll, because I've had, I've have kids all my mum, my mum and my, all my aunties have had kids. They're always giving me advice. And if I look at my cousins and my siblings, I'm like, do you think you guys got it right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. So, uh, it's a lot of obviously is about, um, I guess the older generation giving advice that seems obvious to them, but it's just nonsensical. So I'm pulling apart things that we yeah. do because society tells us to do them. Like, for example, uh, going to a dinner party with a bottle of wine um, and the host as another fellow adult, not knowing whether they're supposed to open it or pull it away because there's all these rules as adults and none of us actually talk about them. We just have to pretend we know what we're doing. So what we're doing really is we're just we're just little kids just dressed up in like our mum's clothes going to a dinner party you know it feels like we're just playing things out still we like here is a bottle of wine and then the host being like of course and then when someone does something wrong we just like smile and then in the car talk about them for the rest of our lives you know (laughs) yeah yeah. well I mean it's funny because even like the dinner party itself right who tells you the rules of a dinner party? Exactly. Like, why is it the way that it is? Exactly. And and if we are going to be like, okay, all right, I'll get some advice on this. I'm not going to turn to my mum. I don't think she's got anything right at a dinner party ever. <laughs> like, who are we learning these facts from? And who is making yeah. them, who's making up the rules here? And so it's um so I had I've had, like there's a few um a few bits in there I'm talking about that and I. I do a lot of act outs in my uh, my show. A lot of um, act outs of my mum and my aunties. Um, how they think that I'm too hard on my partner and not hard enough on my children, um, and uh, how that is like just this really backwards way of thinking. However, it would be so confronting getting to your late sixties and thinking that you'd got it wrong. So they have to dig their heels in. <laughs> yeah. They have to. Yeah, you've dad, got to stick to your guns. Exactly. They have to be like, we got it right. It was cool. It was normal yeah. and fine <laughs> to just be, you know, to like yell at the kids and let our husbands do anything they wanted, you know? And it's like, Oh, I don't, I think you might've got that wrong. They're like, we got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Dealing with that. It's been really interesting. Yeah. What, I mean, that's a really good question. At what age, do you have to then be like, I'm never changing? Because I feel like there's there's an age that you get to where you have to be like, what I've done so far has to be right because I'm too old to change it. Absolutely. And I think for some people it's like 14, but for a lot of people it's like 50, no. <laughs> you know, no, 50 or 60, I think. He was right from the start. So what do you do? Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, do. I think it depends on how uh, your ability to self-reflect. <laughs> uh, and I know that mm. um, a lot of like my – uh, the my aunties, um, they don't really have, they don't do that. And when I say my aunties, it's not just like my blood related. I don't want my all my aunties be listening to this and be like, "Is she talking about me?" I'm talking about like all of the women that help, that kind of helped raise me. All of Mum's friends, how yeah. some of they've kind of dug. Yeah, I wonder when. I wonder when they decided this had to be right. But even that, there's not a rule book for you know. It's not. You just have to be like, oh. and so, you know, and this like the. I think that when you. Uh, I talk, uh, one of my jokes in my new show, it's about like these women who gossip about each other and how it's not, but doesn't come from a mean place, even though they are obviously wouldn't, they wouldn't say anything (laughs) to their faces, but it comes from just a place of like, I'm talking about you. It means I love you. But it's like, well, stop calling me fat then, Annie Liz, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's so true. It's like when I, when I say that I hate you, it really means that I love you. Exactly. It's like, no, just say that you love me. That's fine. Let's cut, let's cut the crap. Yeah, we're at a point in our lives that if you're being talked about, it's a good thing. Like, you should be grateful. We've yeah. not forgotten you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You will live on in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've got to get out of work for the day. So what excuse would you use to get out of to get out of school for the day, really? Yeah. So, well, the... Um, I have, like I said, I've got three kids and like they, I've, uh, they are often a really hard part of my life. Um, uh, however, they are the best excuse ever to get out of anything. You know, I don't even have to, I don't have to really give 
much detail. I just say something gross that they don't want to get any more information about. Like, oh, my daughter's got explosive diarrhea. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to come to work today. Then no one's going to be like, prove it. You know, like it's just like, and also I'm not saying I've got explosive diarrhea because that's a little bit embarrassing. I just blame one of my children. And because I've got so many children, if one of my daughters hears me say that, she'll assume I'm talking about her sister. It's a victimless crime. True. Victim of crime. <laughs> Someone's got explosive diarrhea. I'm not coming in. I like how it is someone else because a lot of the time we've had the excuse of the person having explosive diarrhea. And I like mm. how you've also thought through that if one of your kids hears you, it's okay as long as not all three are there with you. Exactly. At the time. And they never are. I'm not very good at supervising. <laughs> yeah. You're like, at least if, if I've got two, 66%, that's like a credit. <laughs> like, that's, that's a win. Exactly. We'll Exactly. And I can, if, if we lose one, <laughs> is it just my fault or is it all of our fault? You know? Yeah. My, my grandma always used to tell me a story of like when she'd go out and as long as she had three kids at the end of the day, she didn't care which three kids. It was any three kids will do. How many did she have? Only three. She has three kids, but she, she would, she would just like, she, I probably should have led with that. But she would just be like, if we've, if we've ended up with a random and that's the third, that is now brother Timothy. Yes, yeah, he's mine. Go on, let's go. He's part, he's, he's part of the family. <laughs> Cause like, I feel like for you also, if you lost one or two of them, like surely makes your life like a little bit easier. Not yeah. to be rude. I'm sure they're lovely, Absolutely. but you know, no, it would be one is easier than three. Oh my God. Yeah. I have, uh, we went from <laughs> one to two really quickly and then we had a big break and then we were like, well, let's, ta- let's just have one more. Like, I mean, how hard could it be? And it turns out so hard. Since we had, <laughs> when we had our third for the first 18 months of his life, every single day my partner and I would look at each other and one of us would say, this is so hard. And we like we felt it in our bones. Going from two to three was like going from two to a hundred. Like we are outnumbered. And, yeah. and, and also like there's so many new noises and smells that are like we thought we understood, but we're like, what? And also now there's like we had just two girls. Now we've got a boy and the boy's just run, like he just runs and he just smashes his head into things. And we're like, what are you doing? Get a job. You're two. <laughs> I feel like it's a lot easier having like two boys and then a girl then the other way around because I feel like you're not like I mean I guess at some point I was a child and I remember like like I was, I was running into things I was eating everything and mm. I was like throwing myself downstairs and I feel like it doesn't happen as much mm. with like with not to stereotype Absolutely. with girls they don't seem to yeah. to try and destroy yeah everything. I was, I, exactly well I really hope like I was like oh this is all stereotype and like I, do, I did a lot of gender studies in at uni and I taught gender studies so I was like guys we are all the same. It's just what society <laughs> teaches us. But this boy that I've had, I'm like, why is... And when I said I'm having a boy, some of my friends who've got boys were like, oh, good luck. And I was like, excuse me, you're projecting it. My child's going to be fine. And he's a psycho. Like, he just is so ready. Like, I, if I turn, if I leave him for a few minutes, like, I don't know where... Like, he is somewhere in the house right now. And chances are he's standing in the middle of the road. And I don't know how he's got there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's the one that will always have explosive diarrhea as well. And it, yeah. it will always just be a legitimate concern. Exactly. Like I've not really taught him how to talk or listen yet. <laughs> like he's two and a half and I'm like, I'll work it out when he gets to primary school. So I, if I blame anything on him, he doesn't know what's going on. It's so easy. Yeah, he's often, yeah. he's often who I blame everything on. And do you know what? For the stress he gives me, he deserves it. But maybe maybe this is a subconscious thing where he he's internalizing the blaming. He doesn't understand it. But his response is him trying to run into things and standing in the middle of the road. Oh, yeah. He's just got like very very like uh advanced um i guess some type of subconscious thinking yeah maybe is this is this his way of communicating with me if so i'm not into it i refuse to communicate with that do not do Do better terrorists no way yeah yeah (laughs) see you tomorrow okay so your kids are the excuse that you're going to use but let's let's get out of this bad mindset you've you've got the day off To start off the day, just right. It's season two. Baraka still haven't sponsored us, but I, I'm so sure that they will because it's not a big night. It's a big day. What would be your song, your Baraka performance song to pump you up for the day? Well, I love Whitney Houston, RIP. Um, I love her. I've mm. always loved her songs. And I remember when I was um, 
when I, like, I, like, you know, I want to dance with somebody so good. And also one of the most confronting songs you can play when you don't know your, or like, you know, you're, the people you're hanging out with that much because you have to dance. And if they yeah. don't want to dance with you, like that's awkward. And so it's awkward whether they dance, it's awkward whether they don't. It's one of the most, it's one of the funnest things to do to strangers. Anyway, <clears throat> I think when I was in high school, so go back to 2003, I was in year 11. Oh, sorry, that's, that's, that's not your choice. It's not my choice. When I was in year 11, 2003, I had um, a Discman, sorry to brag so early in the pod, but I had Discman <laughs> and I was in like the lowest level in maths because I just like for, I hated maths so much, you could do uh, the lowest one, which was basically addition and subtraction. And I was 16 and I was just like, this is easy. I've nailed this. Um, so I just would put on these headphones, which were like the one, I think they were like the free ones you got from the the airplane. So they were so bad. So they were just as loud for everyone as they were for me. And yeah. I played um, the, like the, the uh, I will always love you but on repeat, you know, Discman's, you could just press repeat and it was like this and, and I would just, yeah. put, and I would play that over and over and over again. And it was so loud and everyone would just have to just put up with it. And it was, um, and I think I would choose that because it makes me feel powerful. And also <laughs> I feel like everyone else had a really good time. Yeah. I think it's the perfect song for a teen in a maths class. Like if I had to set the scene, I would think yeah. of Whitney Houston, I will always love you. But we, mm. we really did gloss over the fact that you put on at parties, I want to dance with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so that, all- it either makes the most awkward situation or a, a true party. Exactly. Because there's always someone who'll go like this, woo! And you don't know who it's going to be. And you need to work out, you need to weed out the people who are going to be awkward or the people who are going to like want to sit down and the people who are like, you need to know who's going to be there at the end. And the person who goes, woo, is going to be there at the end. And you're like, great, I'll talk oh, to them. 100%. Do you, do you ever take bets on it? Are you like, I think like you've got your radar on. You're like, I think I can pick the person. Yeah, I should. Uh, it's often the person you least expect. There's often, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I should do bets next time I have a party. Which, let's be honest, how how free? Oh no, Christmas time! Christmas time. We are doing a huge Christmas this year Perfect. at my house. We have got people, all my family from interstate are coming, and we've got people who don't really have, like you know, that um, don't have their family is they're not going to see their family, so they're coming. So I've got people who I don't know that well coming, and I'm going to play that. Oh great! Sorry. I'm going to play it, and I'm going to work out. Who woos first? And I'm going to sit next to them. <laughs> They're all sitting at the table. You're about to carve the ham. And then suddenly <laughs> Whitney no. Houston comes on. Yeah. You hear that woo and you're like, okay, yeah. it's on. <laughs> kids are trying to listen to Christmas carols. I'm like, not today, kids. It's my day. <laughs> Only Whitney all the time. <laughs> now, <laughs> when, when you were sitting in class listening to your other favorite Whitney Houston song, I Will Always Love You. Yes. Did it did it get like gain new friends or did people no. not enjoy it? Because it sounds like and people were loving it. Look, I would say they loved it, but I think that they thought I was embarrassed because it was every time the like the drum went like doosh doosh and Whitney R.I.P. went yeah. oh, no nah! and, and and like I would like close my eyes to experience it. <laughs> I think they were embarrassed for me. I was just loving myself sick. Like I was like feeling it. I sometimes sang along. Let me join in. Guys, I can do this too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is it is because I'm picturing it and it's just like such an obscene scene where you're like Six times six, 36, Whitney, let's go. <laughs> and we got it right. sitting there with your eyes closed in, 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 in standard maths, just having yeah. the best time. Loving Meanwhile, it. everyone else is struggling with their three times 18 exactly. times tables. Exactly. And then shortly after that, because I, I only did it for a few weeks, and then shortly, uh, one of the teachers was like, yeah. you, don't, you know, you don't have to do maths. And I was like, are you serious? So I dropped, I dropped <laughs> yeah. it. And they, they, I reckon they probably were pretty happy about that, everyone in the class. Or mm. sad. We don't know. I never asked them. I think sad. I, Did you do it in any other classes or was it only no, maths? It was just maths. And so, which makes me think that I was a bit like a bit of a, a bad person because all the other classes I was like, oh no, I respect you guys. But in like in <laughs> yeah. the bottom maths class, I was like, whatever. I was like, you guys don't know anything. I, mean... I was in it. Like, I don't know why I thought it was any better than them. I was in it. You know, what an awful person. Yeah. It, 
it does sound like you hate maths. I do. I just, yeah, because it wasn't um, like I, if I have to work something out, like I said at the start, like I, I will listen to advice because I'm like, if you guys give me a shortcut, I'll do it. Um, but in math, mm. learn like processes and like all, like all of like this, you have to apply yourself because I never found it that rewarding. I was like, look, I'll just, I'll just go to the bottom class. That's so easy. <laughs> I have no shame. I just always love you. Yeah. I guess, um, I didn't actually ask at the beginning, what did you teach at school? I'm assuming English. Oh yeah. I taught English and drama at the start. Uh, I thought it was going to be drama because you have to choose two methods when you become a teacher and I was like well drama obviously because that was my favorite and then they were like you have to choose the second one I was like well I don't know I guess English is closest to that and that one wasn't the worst so I did English and drama and so I was able to teach either and I got and I got to the school and they it was easier to get a job as an English teacher than a drama teacher so I was a, I was hired as an English teacher and I was like in the interview I was like yes 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 but remember I can do drama remember and they were like yeah. okay well we'll give you like a year eight drama class and that was enough to make me never want to teach drama ever again I was like oh they're ruining it because they just put all the naughty kids in this room because it's like a padded room yeah so they get all the kids who are like <laughs> I'm yeah. dangerous. I can't break anything. Yeah, exactly. Like the ones who absolutely would have a gun. Like they put them all in that room. Yeah. And you're like, okay, guys, like grab a ribbon and dance around. And they're like, um, this is like, we're never doing this. Or, like, or they just start being mean yeah. to the actual drama nerds that were in there. So it was just yeah. it was like this horrible tea, like, petri dish of just bullies and the kids who got bullied and you just jammed them in a soft place yeah. and go, make a play. <laughs> no. And switch play. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible combination <laughs> all of it together. It just sounds, yeah, yeah not, Dreadful. not fun. <coughs> You're ready for the day. You're feeling a little bit peckish. So where would you go in your local area for your perfect yeah. meal? There's. I live near Sydney Road in Brunswick in Melbourne and there's this one... Um, there's a lot of ban me around, like lots of Vietnamese places, but there's one that's just been opened where they take it so seriously. And um, like, I don't know if you've ever had a serious ban me before, Harry, but this is serious. <laughs> I, I can't say that I have. It's serious. What makes a ban me serious opposed to like, I guess, a leisurely ban me? Oh, like, I've had a ban me before, like a not serious one, like a joke one, obviously. And it was just at this place that didn't, they just didn't know what they their responsibility was. You know, they didn't understand that they had to deliver okay. delicious banh mi and it had like, there was like too much pork fat in it. Like pork, like banh mi's got lots of like mm. pork crackle in it. Delicious. But they had like kind of chewy crackle and too much fat and like too much of the vegetables because they were like trying to skimp out on the meat. Yeah, Vince. Lettuce is cheap. Exactly. So cheap. So like a joke. It's a joke to us. It's a joke. And I was a joke to them. <laughs> Uh, and so then um, I, there's a place where they take it so seriously. I'm serious when I'm there. They're serious when I'm there. When I'm there, they're serious all the time. And it is like a delicious, like really crispy pork crackles and heaps of delicious succulent meat and heaps of coriander, like the deer veggie, if you will. And um, and it's just oh, it's just paradise. And the and you know it's cool because the hipsters are there. Okay, yeah. I mean, it is Brunswick, so exactly. Fair. And it's di like the like a barn me. Usually, a barn me is like eleven dollars. These these barn mm. me's are like seventeen dollars. So of course it is. Okay, so these are rich hipsters. So can you get any yeah. more serious than a rich hipster? No, you cannot. And that's where I am. <laughs> what's what's the name of this place? Does it have a name? I think it's called Fresh Bread. Okay, so Fresh Bread. For the, the serious bun me, I think the test that we've had for bun me on the podcast so far is the length of the line outside of the bun me. So does it have a long line? No, it, it doesn't have a long line. And do you know why? It's because it's too expensive. So you've like, <laughs> yeah, you've 17 like bucks. Yeah, it's so dear. So you, and so it's like a yeah. special, it's a special serious bun me. Like, so you're not going to get it every day. And then, uh, mm. so there's like, it's kind of exclusive bun me. It's exclusive bun me. I know that sounds like a paradox, but it is. It's exclusive special bun me. I think that the 11, like people like me as a guest at a restaurant, cause I get super excited about food and an $11 bun me, I'd be as excited as a seven. Like my, my expression will always be the same, which is, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. Great. So you're like taking a Labrador 
to a restaurant. Yeah, a little bit. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I love free food. Um, like I have to pay, but also I think I'm a real sucker for free food. Um, so on a plane, when they bring the food out, like on a long haul flight, <laughs> when they bring food out, uh, it's so delicious. Even if it's revolting, I, I, it feels like a present. And I'll eat every single thing on the, on the tray, even the wrappers. I'm so happy. Can I, can I break something to you that you're probably not going to like? You know you have to pay for flights. How do you? So so really you're still you're still paying for the food here. If anything, it's like a it's like a party bag when you've spent thousands of dollars on a flight. I knew I shouldn't have done this podcast. You've broken the most magical uh, thing <laughs> in the world to me. That is yeah, I know I'm, I'm so sorry. So good. And then there's Air Asia flights where you could like you could pay for your flight and then they're like, but if you want a meal as well, you have to pay twelve dollars. And one time yeah. I said no, and I've never had more remorse, you know? Like I watched everyone around. Yeah, you'd have been so hungry. $12. I was like, why did I want to say $12? Yeah, so, and I had to fly internationally, and I just had to sit there yeah. like, chewing on my seatbelt. Oh, hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, you should have just asked for their wrappers. I'm sure they would have given it to you. should have, exactly. <laughs> There's a morsel here. I'll take it, please. <laughs> 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 Look, you're feeling pretty you're feeling pretty satisfied here because you had a great meal. But now, like Ferris Bueller, you're gonna have a bit of an afternoon activity. So you can do anything with anyone. What would you do for your perfect afternoon activity? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And if I can do anything, I love that you say anything because um, that is what I'm go- that is the liberties I'm gonna take with this, okay? I'm gonna do um, a duet with Celine Dion again. <laughs> Not R.I.P., but probably yeah. soon, let's be honest. Um, a duet with Celine Dion uh, to her song, It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Do you remember that song? I don't, but... Oh my God, uh, I regret it. I regret coming on here. Oh, my God, you better win me back again. It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, I know the song. You know, I know okay, the song. It's um, coming back to me. Yeah, yeah I, I do. I'm sorry. Of, thank you. I want to be in front of, like, 100,000 people. Like, you probably guessed... <laughs> I can't sing, but in this dream, I'm going to be able to sing. And not only am I going to be able to sing, but I'm going to outshine Celine, even though like we're doing a duet and we love each other and respect each other. And then she, and probably IRL, you don't know. And then, um, and then I'm going to sing so well that the audience is going to like scream and cheer for me and be like, please, like um, become a, like a professional singer. And I'll be like, guys, I would, but I can't because I'm actually – Chasing my dream of becoming a very successful comedian. So I'm going to need you to get behind that. And I can't, I don't have time for this because I'm just about to do my Australian tour in 2024. So I'm going to be going to Perth if like, you probably can't come to that, but like I'll be in Sydney and I'll be in like Brisbane. I'll be in Melbourne. I'll be in Adelaide. I'm going to go to Canberra. So if you guys want to come around that, like I won't sing Celine Dion anymore. I'll leave that to Celine. She needs it. She needs it. But I've got my show obviously so you can come and get involved with that and then those hundred thousand people will actually come and see my show is that come to every gig yeah is that like i some rooms some rooms i have aren't as big as a hundred thousand people like i won't be able to fit all of them in okay i can fit a lot of them you you can fit the majority of them look i don't think we've ever had a transition of into current tour which i really like um but we do have to we have to unpack it a little bit Celine Dion, is is there is there a stadium that you want to perform at with old mate celine Mm. Sydney My Music Bowl in Melbourne is an outdoor cinema and I think that could be quite electric under, like, the stars. However, I don't want, mm. like, any of their cheers to be lost into the abyss. So maybe I need a roof. Yeah. Um, maybe <laughs> if this is Acoustics. Dream, yeah. If this is a dream, I'll get, like, I'll ask for, like, a, a see-through roof to be put on the Sydney My Music Bowl. Like you said, I could have anything. Okay. No, you can't. No, this is, we've definitely had a lot crazier. This is perfect. Now, Celine Dion, how does she get in contact with you? Like, has she come to a gig or has she just reached out to you? Like, what has happened that Celine is like, hey, I I need to meet Bron? Great question. Great question. I mean, like our circles don't usually collide, um, but I I think that she would probably, um, she probably found my Instagram. She probably found my Instagram uh, Mm. and she was like, that's a pretty funny 
video if she can make funny videos she can probably sing and that like it's an assumption a lot of people make um you know and um so she put uh so she just like reached out and was like would you like could you could you and I was like yes Celine it's a dream we can do whatever we want and (laughs) she said great come and outshine me and she didn't think I could do it like she Celine is very confident I don't know if you've ever seen Celine dance Mm. she's a confident woman obviously and she has right to be. Exactly. If I played, I want to dance with somebody, guess who would do the wool? Celine Dion. It would be Celine, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Celine would be but like, that's, But that's not the unobvious choice, you know? Like that. that's too obvious a choice. Yeah, I know. But I think it's because Celine, um, like what we expect of her is so high and she always delivers. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, never, so there's not going to be any pleb who's going to like outpip her at this, like at the woo. The woo is hers. We yeah. understand it. She understands it. She's incredible. She knows it. We know it. It's fine. So when as soon as I play that, the woo would come in in impeccable timing. And um, yeah, so I think that Celine would be a good time. And she knows that I'd probably have a really great time. And then that is exactly how my, because imagine performing to a hundred thousand people and not being like, just making them laugh. Cause that is fun, but also like making them sing. Have you ever done that? Harry made a, yeah. have you done that? Uh, <laughs> people sing? No, oh. I've, only, I've only ever sung on stage once. And, um, I got told after that I should never sing again. So, oh you know, what was this different story? experiences. What were you singing? Uh, I, I was at, I'm seeing a gala event uh, and me and my friend thought it would be fun to like, you know, rewrite a song and, and sing it on stage. Uh, but I, I can't sing for the life of me. And oh, so it was, it was right. really bad and he can sing very well. Oh, uh, and and yeah. everyone, everyone else was very polite about it. Like you gave it a good, a red hot go. And one of my, one of the girls that I knew came up to me, she said, I don't know if you know this, but you're, you're really shit at singing. And oh, I was like, Celine, I, did, back off. I did know this. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Rightly so. Yeah. I'll never do it again. I think, you know, I learned my lesson yeah. never again. Oh, uh, that's pretty brutal though. Because were you trying? Did you say you were trying? Oh, yeah. No, I gave yeah. it a real go. I yeah, really did. Totally. Like I got lessons from my friend in oh, the lead up. Like, oh, so that girl was like, I, 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 <laughs> If someone's giving it a well, go, like you just go, hey, that was pretty fun. <laughs> you had, look like you had fun. That's what you say. Yeah. I think she thought that I was taking the piss and I was like, oh. and I, my, res- my response was obviously, I mean, until now, my response has always been like, obviously I was joking oh. and now the truth has come out. So <laughs> this is great. Warm ups beforehand and just like crying in the car. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a sad story. Yeah. Coming on. <laughs> it really went up and down. Like it, it was exciting and not so much. Look, it went okay. I survived. It was all right. <laughs> Celine Dion performing with you does sound, sound fantastic. And then mm. I like how everyone's coming to your shows after. Like, is, this is a dream. I want to have a full house every mm. single time. And it's because it is like, yeah. If you perform a Celine Dion song in front of like three people in a giant stadium, you'd be like, well, this is less good. And everyone would be like, this yeah, is good. Sad. You know, it is a bit sad. So, um, yeah. So I think if everyone from that just came to my show, like my show is going, like it would just be so much better. Oh, that'd be fantastic. No, I think that should definitely happen. I mean, mm-hmm. if people don't already have tickets, they should have bought tickets. Yes. Just do it. Like it's yeah. not that hard. Chukasiki. <laughs> 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 Let me recap to you your perfect day off and you can okay. tell me how it sounds. Okay. So you start off the day in your worst job, which is not just being a teacher. It's being teacher to a serial killer. Yes. Um, not confirmed. This is alleged. We're not saying he is. He isn't. We used fake names, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> but whatever. Bullets on the table. Yeah. Um, it isn't actually his real name, of- by the way. It isn't actually his real name. If anyone's listening to this and being like, oh, poor Shay, it isn't actually his real name. <laughs> no, no. Funny no we, we use pseudonyms here. Yeah. His real name is, I can't, I can't say, I, I couldn't possibly. Ivan Milat. Anyway, so <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he had less bullets. Anyway, we're not going down that path, but you're getting out of school because one of your kids, we don't know which one, but one of your potentially three kids uh, has explosive diarrhea. So you're out of school for the day and you're starting the day with one of your two loves, Whitney Houston, 
I will always love you. You're playing it in the beginning of math class. You're, you're transported back to your 16-year-old self. And then you're going and, and you're not having like a classic bun me. You're having a hipster, delicious bun me from fresh bread. Uh, there's no line, but it is 17 goddamn dollars. Uh, but it's worth it. It's worth every penny. And then for your perfect afternoon, uh, you and Celine uh, are performing to 100,000 people. You can see the night sky. It's beautiful, uh, but the acoustics are fantastic. And then after that, everyone is coming to your 2024 tour of Obviously, which is it's it's on right now and people should get tickets. You're in Perth, you're in Melbourne, you're in Sydney, you're in Adelaide, you're in Brisbane, you're in Canberra. You're all over the place. Yeah. And that is your perfect day off, Bron Lewis. How does that sound for your perfect day off? It sounds beautiful. I love it so much. And now that we've that you've done that, I'm actually very sad that my day today doesn't look exactly <laughs> like that. I think you could do all of it except okay. the Celine Dion and oh. doing your I mean you could What do you mean? When this comes out, you would be doing your, your tour. Mm-hmm. So if you can get Celine on board. I Everything else, time. very doable. There's still time. There is time. And then I just have to the learn how to still sing. going. I just will not take the singing paper that you had because no, no, I wouldn't. They screwed you over. I wouldn't recommend. Right. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, we are so excited for your tour, obviously, which is happening right now. Uh, we will give links to the to the tickets on the beginning and the end of the podcast and in all the descriptions. Thank you so much for coming on Chucking a Sicky. Thanks, Harry. <coughs> Chuck a Sicky. Well, there you have it, the perfect day off for Bron Lewis. Shane sounds um, absolutely terrifying, uh, but picking the woo person at a party is some unique type of skill that I wish I knew, uh, but I don't. And I'm very jealous that Bron knows how to do it. I cannot wait for her to sit on stage with Celine Dion herself. It would be fantastic. You can check out the fantastic Bron Lewis all over Australia. She's coming to Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Canberra, Cairns. You name it, she's coming. Links are in the description below. If you're still here, make sure to check out our Patreon as well. For all the extra good bits, you can find out what Bron's perfect meal ever is. And let me tell you, it's worth the wait. It's great. <laughs> Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on the sh- socials, Chucking a Sicky Podcast, and join us next week for another perfect day off on Chucking a Sickie.